And that is, last year, our chapel theme was dealing with mentorship. And so the idea of having mentors and their students come in and team preach was a possibility that had been thrown around. But unfortunately, we ran out of time. So this year, I offered us to, <laughs> to do it again because um, we think of it as uh, an encouraging thing to do. It was fun, at least for me, um, and a way to learn. Danny taught me uh, sermon preparation through it. And so it was just, we thought, something that would encourage you as students to talk to your mentors about and maybe start doing something of a similar nature. So before I go any further, I will introduce the other half of the team. This is Danny. <laughs> Danny Smith, and he's the lead pastor at Middleton Baptist Church and has been for the last 10 years. He's mentored um, quite a few students because we've had quite a few from Middleton Baptist Church come through seminary here. So he's mentored some both officially through our mentored ministry program and unofficially for those students who just look to him for some advice and guidance through their years and after school. So I was lucky enough to get to do my mentored ministry at Middleton Baptist Church with Danny as my mentor, and that has continued on for my ordination year till August when I go before council. And team preaching was something, as I said, that Danny had brought up as an idea to try and help me learn sermon preparation. And so we thought it was a fun experience, and um, I thought it was really educational, and since then he's used it for other students that have come to him. So our message today is titled, Leading Means Leaning, and it's based on Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 to 13, and I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. So while the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amaleks gained the advantage. Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up, so Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. So in this passage, we see the start of a mentoring relationship between Moses as the mentor and Joshua, the student. It's this connection that allowed for Joshua to be strengthened in his gifts, encouraged and trained to be the next leader of the Israelites. And it's this relationship, which was one based on trust, faith, and respect that we can look to as a model for our mentoring relationships today. It was a relationship that was grounded in leaning. In Joshua's case, it would be to leaning on, be leaning on Moses, but as we'll see, Moses leaned on others as well. So in this passage, this is when we first get introduced to Joshua. We know nothing of him at this point except the fact that he was an Israelite and that with them, he had recently come out of slavery in Egypt. We don't know what he did while he was a slave, but we certainly know it wasn't leading an army. So we know what he has not done, but we do not know what he can do. Moses, however, must have been witness to some gifts in Joshua during their time in the desert that we're not privy to. Because we see that Moses immediately pushes Joshua to use his gifts for the benefits of the people and for the glory of God. 
Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. But if we keep reading, we see that Moses didn't just send Joshua out on a mission that he was inexperienced and most likely unprepared for, just willy-nilly. Moses tells Joshua, tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill, holding the staff of God in my hand. Moses lets Joshua know that he will be there, with the power of God in his hands looking out for him. Joshua, by this point, has already been witness to the power that staff has shown and the relationship with God it represents. So knowing that Moses is up on that hill, with that staff lets Joshua know that Moses has got his back and that he can trust in that fact. He can lean into that reassurance. Many students have their first real experience of mentorship through our mentored ministry program and are often placed with mentors they don't know at first. Through time and experiencing the mentor's leadership firsthand, a level of trust can be developed. However, at some point, the student does need to take a leap and let go and trust that their mentor, like Moses with Joshua, has their back. In my situation, I knew Danny as my pastor before him becoming my mentor, but there was a difference. It's a different kind of trust that develops during mentoring that's deeper than between a pastor and a member. And there was a point when I had to take that leap and trust that he had my back. And that point came with my first sermon. It was during my first semester of Mentored Ministry 1. And I had requested that I could send the manuscript to him before I had to preach it to ensure that I was on the right track. At this point in time, I was still terrified to speak in public. And so the idea of preaching was still making me want to throw up for about two weeks before the actual date. So I wrote the sermon and I sent it to him. As usual, I was not all that ahead of schedule, so it was Wednesday when I sent it to him. Five minutes after I emailed it, I started checking for a response. (laughs) I knew it was insane, but I kept checking anyway. But I didn't get a response. All of Wednesday, or all of Thursday. And so by then, I'm starting to panic because I know that Friday's his day off and I'm not going to hear from him then. So at this point, I'm assuming that the sermon is so bad that he has no idea how to break the news to me and is avoiding me. So my nausea is increasing, and on Saturday we had an MM class in Truro. And it was there after lunch that I finally got a response from Danny. Sorry, finally got a response from Danny. (laughs) It started off with a list of all the things that were wrong with the sermon. And then at the bottom was the comment, but please preach as is. (laughs) These corrections are just something to be worked on, but the sermon's well-researched and written, and you should preach it. And then he made the comment that by this time I should be praying about it and not making any changes. Well, that sure made me feel confident. (laughs) All I could do was focus on all the things that were wrong, and yet he still expected me to preach it. So I had a panic attack, literally, a break during our class. And Doug, those of you who remember Doug and Dustin, had to talk me down. And so Doug tells me, just rely on the Holy Spirit, because that's Doug, right? (laughs) And then Dustin, don't worry about it. They're not going to expect anything from you anyway. You're just So these little snippets of sage advice really didn't do anything to help. But that night, I really took the whole thing to God. 
I gave it all to him. The fact that I didn't think I could speak in public. The fact that I knew the message would never be as good as I thought it should be. That I was overwhelmed with the idea of trying to preach his word to a group of people that knew far more about scripture than I probably ever would. All of it. I handed over to him. And then I found peace. But the peace actually came from the realization that I could count on the fact that Danny had my back. I knew I was in a church that I was in under the mentorship of the person that I was supposed to be because that's where God wanted me to be. Because of that, I could trust that he would not throw me to the wolves. If the sermon was that bad, he would never let me preach it. He would have done something to change it. He would have preached for me that day. He would have done something. I don't know what, but he would have done something. And so I could trust that it was going to be okay, that he had my back, just like Joshua and Moses. So as we go back to Moses and Joshua, we see that Joshua has been a witness for years to Moses' relationship with God. He knew without a doubt that Moses was God's man on earth. Joshua would have observed a relationship unlike any person on earth would have with God again until Jesus. And let's face it, Jesus kind of had a, a bit of an advantage in that category. So because of this bond between God and Moses, Joshua knew that by being faithful and obedient to Moses, he was being faithful and obedient to God. Because he had faith that God was working through Moses, Joshua could go to battle knowing that God would be with him. In other words, Joshua had faith in Moses because Joshua had faith in God. And in addition to the trust and the faith that Joshua had in Moses, it's clear that there was also a tremendous amount of respect. Some of this was due to the fact that Moses was older and wiser. But it was also because of the years that Joshua had spent under Moses' leadership and having seen firsthand how Moses acted under stress in excessively difficult situations, leading through fear and under the weight of huge responsibilities. Joshua did what Moses commanded him to do because he respected his leadership. So in our mentoring relationships, can we as students see ourselves as Joshua? Hopefully not in the life or death situation that's written about here. But are our relationships based on trust, faith, and respect, like the one between Moses and Joshua? Do we trust that our mentors have our backs? That they believe that their role is to encourage us, to use our gifts, and then to be there in a supportive way while we make our first steps? Do we have faith that our relationship with our mentors is by God and for God? Do we respect our mentors as leaders and feel able to do as they ask because of this? Are we in positions where we can learn from being a witness to their leadership? Do we see how they handle stress and difficult situations? Sometimes we as students feel like we have all the answers. We're all fired up with new things to try and the energy and the drive to change the world by changing the church. Where two or more students are gathered, we will have a complete overhaul of the present church and the answers to all its problems. And anybody that has traveled in a car up to Truro and back knows that that is true. <laughs> but perhaps we do not give those who have been in the trenches for years their due and accept that maybe they have more wisdom than we do. And sometimes as students, we may get discouraged by a mentoring relationship that just doesn't seem like a good fit. I would encourage you to continue to work at that relationship, but also know that mentored ministry is not the only means of acquiring a strong mentor in your life. Look to others that may seem to be someone you can lean on, that you can lean on through trust and through faith and respect, and know that when it comes to mentors, the more the merrier actually is a very true. 
So our theme for chapel this semester is leaning. And Joshua leaned on Moses in many ways. He leaned by having faith in Moses' relationship in God. He leaned by having respect for Moses' wisdom in his leadership. And he leaned by trusting that Moses always had his back. Well, Jeff, now you know what you're getting into. <laughs> and I'm sure that Lionel and uh, Carol Ann could arrange for uh, another placement if you need it. <laughs> but leaning uh, this morning is not just for us at the beginning. As we begin to develop our leadership. Typically, when we talk about mentorship, we, we associate that with the, the person or those people that we lean upon at the, the very early stages of the journey. Those people who keep us from falling down before we learn to walk on our own, but who eventually leave us to stand on our own two feet. But I want us to understand this afternoon that if we want to be effective leaders who are in it for the long haul, that we must be prepared for a lifetime of leaning. To lean, to lead well, we must learn to lean well. And that's true no matter the length of time that we've been leading for. The passage that Jennifer read earlier gives us a visual of what I'm talking about. Moses is a pretty old guy at this point, and likely somewhere around 80 years old, and a fight is brewing with the Amalekites. Moses is well beyond being combat ready, and so he entrusts the actual waging of the battle to his younger protege, Joshua. But Moses has another role to play in the battle. As the battle rages below, he is to stand before God on a hill with a staff raised high in his hands that God had used to work numerous miracles of deliverance this far in the journey out of Egypt. And as long as this staff is raised up in Moses' hands, Israel is winning the battle. But when his hands grow tired and Moses lowers them to give them a rest, Israel begins to lose. As the battle rages, Moses' arms grow weaker and weaker and tireder and tireder. Now I'm told that's not a word, but it's in the Scrabble Dictionary, I'll have you know. So... <laughs> If it's there, it's a word. Tireder and tireder. More and more tired. <laughs> but Moses, the great leader of his people, is not able to fulfill the task entrusted to him on his own. So what's he to do? What he needs is others to lean on, to help him to complete his task. And so Aaron and her, who have gone up the hill with Moses, sit Moses down on a rock, take Moses' arms under their shoulders, and hold them there, for the rest of the day. In order to lead, Moses needed to lean. And what I've discovered regarding my own ability to lead others is that for me to lead well, I need to learn to lean well. I want to share with you three of the people that God has blessed me with in my life as people that make me a better leader because they allow me to lean on them. The first is a man named Dwight, who I met 10 years ago when I was just starting in my role as a lead pastor at Middleton Baptist Church. Dwight is a former pastor himself, and he now leads a ministry of equipping and encouragement to Christian leaders. Dwight is a mentor who is up ahead of me on the journey. He's someone who has walked where I have walked, who knows what it's like to lead a church and to be a Christian leader, and he's able to point out many of the, the snares and the pitfalls that I might encounter along the way. 
And he's able to speak godly wisdom into many areas of my life. Dwight's also the kind of guy who has no problem calling me on my garbage and speaking the truth in love into my life. You know, as Christian leaders, we have the propensity to try and cover up the trash in our lives so that the the storefront of our lives looks pretty good. And if we don't have someone that's able to look behind the window dressing and that we put up and begin to poke around a little bit at the garbage and call us on it in love, we're in trouble. And if you don't have that person in your life this morning, I would say find that person. Because many Christian leaders have come falling down with a crash because they lived their lives in isolation and had nobody that could speak genuine truth into their lives. And so as leaders, we need like people like Dwight in our lives that have walked the road before us, who can be a source of godly wisdom, encouragement, and most of all, truthfulness. The second mentor that I have is a ministry peer. Swice is the pastor of a church in Middleton of a different denomination than my own. And that means that we should be rivals trying to poach each other's sheep, but we decided instead that we could be friends. And Swice and I meet once a week for prayer and from time to time to cry on each other's shoulder. And because we minister in the same town and have been pastors for about the same length of time, We tend to face many of the same challenges, the frustrations and the joys. We're able to challenge one another to do our best, to trust God more deeply, and to talk about how we might deal with certain situations. We're able to better minister together to our own town as we share the needs that we've observed as we work collaboratively at various things. You know, there's a park in our town, and that's the only thing that separates our two churches. And so we thought, wouldn't it be neat if once a year, both churches just met in the middle, right in the middle of the park, and uh, worship God together and invite the whole town to come as an opportunity to celebrate God's goodness and to bless our town. And so that's what we've started to do together, is to to meet together once a year uh, for worship. You know, it's not uncommon for us as pastors and Christian leaders to see other Christian leaders as rivals. Especially if it seems like they're doing better than us. But I want to encourage you instead to see them as potential mentors along the journey for you to lean upon and to learn from. The final mentor I have in my life is a prayer mentor. You know, as a Christian leader, I discovered that I need to learn how to pray. And I don't mean those nice, fluffy prayers that we go through with the shopping list of ailments that plague our congregations. But... To give Christian leadership is for us to step out onto the battlefield. And it's not just to step out onto the battlefield, but it's to step out into the middle of that battle. It's a battle that Paul talks about in Ephesians. It's a battle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And I learned quickly that sometimes the battle rages fast and furious and that Christian leaders often walk around with a big target on their back. And so I needed to learn how to pray through the midst of the battle and fight with the weapons that God has given so that I would not lose heart and give up. And we, so we have a husband and wife in our congregation 
who are, who are prayer warriors in the church. The husband is a former pastor. And I get together with them regularly to learn how to pray in the midst of the spiritual battle that we find ourselves engaged in. I've learned to lean on them as they pray with me and teach me how to pray. Leading means leaning. And we need to understand this morning that we need others to lean on. That we need to look for godly mentors. That we need to allow ourselves or allow others into our lives at this level. Not just for our own sake. It is for our own good. But also for the sake of those that we lead. As Moses stood and then sat up on that hill with his arms raised and the staff of God in his hands. It wasn't just for his own sake. But in a very real way the battle fought below was affected by whether he had his arms raised or lowered. And it affected the entire nation of Israel. The outcome of the battle was determined by whether Moses had his arms raised or not. If Moses had allowed pride, if he had allowed self-sufficiency to cause him to refuse Aaron and her's help, the battle could have been very easily lost. But instead Moses had learned to lean. There are people that we are currently leading, and there are people that we will lead in the future who in very real ways are depending on us, leaning on others, who are depending on us, allowing others to pour into our lives so that we might be spiritually healthy and vital and are able to lead them through the dark spiritual battles that they face. To lead well, we must learn to lean well. And so I want to ask you this morning, who are you, first of all, inviting to lean on you today? But more importantly, who are you leaning on? Have you committed yourself to a lifetime of leaning? Your ministry and the legacy that you leave behind may very well be determined by how well you learn to lean. Feeling isolated in ministry, that there's no one that you can confide in or that has your back, is a key reason why many Christian leaders don't stick around for the long haul. And so we need to understand today that Christian ministry, Christian leadership, is not a solo effort, but a team sport. And that now is the time to begin to laying a solid foundation of learning to lean. So let us pray. Thank you, God. that you bring others into our lives that can bless us, others that we can lean upon. As we take stock of our own lives today, we thank you for those people that come to mind that we can lean upon today, people that we can trust to be truthful with us, people that are maybe further along in the journey that can help us along. We thank you for the privilege that you give us of allowing others to lean upon us. We pray that we would be faithful in that task. God, my prayer would be that if there is anyone here this afternoon that as they think of their own life, they think, you know, I really do not have anyone that I can lean upon today. I pray for that person, and I pray, God, that you would bring somebody into their lives. I'll be truthful with them, 
will help them that they can lean upon and know that they are, that they are safe and cared for. So I pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus.